Father God, we are so <coughs> grateful for the life that you give us and um, the words that you give us to, te- to teach us, God. And I pray that as we learn about sanctification, that you would um, teach us, that you would give us the desire to be sanctified, to be holy, to be set apart for you, God. So we give this time to you, um, open our minds and our ears to hear what you have to say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask, uh, can we pull up this table up a little bit so there's a little bit more room for you guys? Thanks. Okay. So we are going through the Ordo Salutis. Uh, does anyone remember what Ordo Salutis means? Okay. What it translates into? Order of Salvation. The Order of Salvation. This is um, from Latin. So we have the uh, the chain. This is actually found in Romans 8, 29 through 30. Um, and uh, so it's all here at the top. This is the, the order of salvation. So we're almost at the end. We're doing sanctification today. Next week is glorification, the final end of everyone who believes. <coughs> so um, let's talk about uh, the. Let's just go through the definition of sanctification. So uh, the definition of sanctification is the progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. So this is basically saying that sanctification is the work of God plus us to make us more like Jesus. So um, sanctification, it comes from uh, the word sanctify, um, which is to be set apart. So sanctification is a process of, of separating. So it means uh, another word uh, that you can use for sanctification is holy or to become holy. And holy, it, there's um, there's two... There's two um, two means to sanctification. So there's a or holiness. So there's one which is to be um, completely perfect. The other is that it means that we're it, uh, to be uh, set apart, to be completely different, completely other. So different other. So when we talk about the holiness of God, we're saying that not only is God completely perfect, we're saying that he's completely different and completely other than us. So it's not just that God is a better version of us. And when we're sanctified, we're not just becoming a better version of ourselves. Like there's a, um, I mean, there, there are books uh, that, that will teach you like, oh, to, to live a fulfilling life, what you should do is become better at what you are, be a, a better version of yourself. But the biblical understanding of, um, of of holiness and sanctification is not only do we become better, but we become completely different. So for us as believers, it means that we are completely separate, we're completely different, we are different from the rest of the world, different from those who are not, um, are not believers. Okay, so why do we why do we uh, want to become sanctified? Why do we want, we want to become holy? So last week, Michael talked about justification. And <coughs> justification is God giving us a verdict. He's, de- it's, he's declaring us righteous. Um, so the, And he said this against the backdrop of the understanding of justification in the Catholic Church, which the Catholic Church says, first, to, if you want to become justified, if you want to have this um, right standing with God, what you need is you need to... Um, do good things. You need to become better. You need to be holy. You need to be sanctified. And this is uh, how, not how we understand sanctification. What we believe is 
first become justified and then uh, come sanctification. So why do we become sanctified or why do we want to become sanctified? It's Paul says here in Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Um, what is the basis for us offering our bodies to God? Where do you see in the verse? God's mercy. God's mercy. So, God's mercy. God's mercy causes us to want to become holy. It's not that we become holy and then um, God shows us mercy. It's the other way around. Um, Titus 2, 11 through 12. Um, Ashley, can I have you read this? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. All right. What is it that leads us to um, live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives? What do you see in this verse? The grace of God. Again, it's God's grace. God's mercy and God's grace that pushes us towards this holy life. So Michael Horton, he's a theologian um, and a professor at Pastor Michael's school. He says this, um, the tyranny of sin over you has been taught. Therefore, do not live as though, I'm sorry, not thought, do not live as though this has not happened. He's saying that because sin has been killed, because sin has been defeated in your life, live as if it's been defeated. Okay. Um, so why do we need to be sanctified? Our first reason, because God is holy. Um, Dan, can you read First Peter 1 as well as Hebrews 12, please? Sure. Actually, just read all three. Okay. You shall be holy, for I am holy. <laughs> Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. All right. So why do we need to be sanctified? Because uh, we need to imitate God, who is holy, um, because if we're not holy, we're not going to see God, and because God cannot stand evil in His sight, so we need to be holy. Um, another reason, uh, Christine, can you read Exodus 19 as well as First Peter? Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All right, thank you. So <coughs> what what is Israel? What is the church? Israel is a holy nation. The church is a holy nation. That means that we are, as, as people of God, we're set apart from the rest of the world. And, uh, and to give us a little bit of context as to what God is talking about in Exodus 19, in the uh, ancient world, there was uh, there were all these nations with all their gods, and there was Israel. Israel, this tiny little nation that was nothing. God said, "You are the people I'm going to choose. You are the people that I am going to bless." Um, and what are you? You're a holy nation. It means that not only are you morally uh, upstanding, it means that you are separate from these other nations. You're completely different. So all these other nations, they had 
multiple gods. They had multiple religious practices. Um, they, they lived a completely different lifestyle. And God is saying, don't live like those nations. Be separate. Don't intermingle with them. Don't even marry the people in their lands. I want you to have complete integrity. I want you to be um, uh, holy. And he says this to Israel, and he's saying this to the church as well. He's saying, church, as you stand in the world, I want you to be completely different from the rest of the world. Your values, your morals, your ethics, the way you look at uh, relationships and money and entertainment and um, everything has to be completely different. So God is saying, be sanctified, be holy. Um, questions or comments? Okay, um, so the need for sanctification, is that clear? Alright, so defi- so there's two types of um, uh, sanctification. So there's definitive and there's progressive. So the first is definitive, and let me, uh, let me just uh, explain to you what it is, and then we'll read the passages. So definitive means that we are already sanctified. So it means that this is complete. Done. There's nothing else that has to happen for this to happen, for definitive sanctification. And this is really, really good news. Remember last week Michael talked about justification. Do we have to do anything to earn our justification? No. Do we have to... um, Do we have to... uh, um, Oh, I guess when I say um, do we have to do anything, that covers it all. But this is really, really good news because it means that when God justified us, there's nothing else we need to do to be the type of holy that he requires to enter his presence. So we have this uh, these verses right here. I'm going to have Tracy, can you read John 15, please? Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Because Jesus has spoken to us, we're already clean. It's not because we... It's not merely, it's not just because we believe and do the things that Jesus tells us to do. Jesus says, I've spoken my words of life over you. You're already clean. This is before you do anything. Um, Eric, can I have you read 1 Corinthians 6, please? Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All right, thanks. So uh, this is actually a really, really good passage, and I didn't have space to include everything, but um, here in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that for those who who are justified, those who are sanctified, there were all these things. They were, they were uh, in terms of their ethics are different. They were liars. They were thieves. They were... Um, their sexual ethics were completely different. They were all messed up. And God says, you were like the rest of the world. You were um, not holy. Your acts were not righteous. But he says, uh, but he has this such good news. He says, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Paul says here, before you do anything, before you... Before you um, feel sorry before you um, turn to God. Um, God did this work in you, this definitive work, saying that this person I'm setting aside for myself, I'm choosing him, I'm electing him, I will justify him, I will regenerate him. So this is really good news. It means that it's done for us already. So 
Um, I encourage you actually to read this passage in 1 Corinthians 6, um, where it talks about just what type of people we are and what God has done for us before we ever do anything for God. Um, Romans 15, Erica, can I have you read this, please? I've written to you very boldly by the way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. All right, so the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Um, so Paul, Paul's here, Paul here is talking towards the end of his uh, book to the Romans. He's saying, you've been sacrificed, or you, you've been sanctified already. Um, so it's it's already been done. Um, Ashley, can I have you read Hebrews 10, please? And by that, will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ? All right, so we've been sanctified already because of what Christ has done for us. Hebrews 13. Um, Scott, can I have you read this? So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify people through his own blood. All right, thanks. And then, Tommy, can I have you read... Um, Actually, there's no more for this <laughs> section. Um, we're holy. I'm sorry. Let me just finish up on definitive sanctification. So uh, we are already sanctified, all of us, even if we live the most messed up lives. As long as we believe the gospel, as long as we accept the gift of the gospel, God's word says that we are sanctified. We are holy. We're set apart already. And this is all that's required of us, or not even required of us. It's been done for us. Um, to be acceptable to God. So this is really good news, right? It means that unlike the rest of uh, the world's religions that say, in order to be holy, in order to be uh, acceptable to God or whatever higher power there is, um, you need to be good. You need to follow these rules. The Christian faith says, no, you don't. You, there, you can't. There's nothing you can do on your own to be as holy or as good as is required of your deity. Okay, so um, this leads us to our next point, progressive sanctification. So I have this line here. We're holy, therefore we are to be holy. We're holy, therefore we are to be holy, um, which leads us to progressive sanctification. And let me give you a little uh, illustration. This is one of my favorite favorite uh, scenes in cinema. Um, I, I think I've spoken about it before, but it's a scene. Have you guys seen Blood Diamonds? It's uh, there's it's Leonardo DiCaprio and that uh, and I think he's a main star in there, um, but what it, it's it's talking about the diamond industry in Africa and there's a lot of, um, it's it's a very brutal industry because people kill others, people enslave <coughs> others just to get diamonds and that's why if you've heard of conflict-free diamonds, they they that's one of their selling points. They're saying that we don't use slaves to get the diamonds that are on your fingers. Um, so anyways, there's one scene where the, these uh, diamonds, uh, I don't know what you call them, but the people that, that are in charge of getting slaves and, and getting people to work the diamond, uh, the, to, to look for diamonds, um, they what they did is they, they killed all the adults in the village, or they killed all the men, and they used the women and the, and the children as slaves to, to, uh, to uh, look for, for, no, no, I'm sorry. The men are going to the uh, into the little diamond areas to look for diamonds. The women, um, they they kill them or they may rape them. Um, and the children, they turn them into child soldiers. And the reason why they use the children is because children are easily manipulated. They're uh, much more easily influenced. They're not going to put up a fight. So they use children soldiers, 10, 11, 12 years old, to fight their battles, to kill other children, to... 
um, do the things that um, that you, they can easily manipulate them to do. So one of the characters, he is he's been working the fields, he's been looking for diamonds, and uh, he escapes and. He goes looking for his son, and he finds his son, and his son is is already a child soldier. He's carrying a gun. He's smoking tobacco. He's doing all this, like, bad stuff along with all these other children soldiers. And the father goes, and he confronts his child, and the child is looking at his father. He doesn't – he can barely recognize who his father is, and he has a gun pointed at his father, ready to kill him because this is what he's been trained to do. He uh, – what's – what he's – his instinct is, here's this person that I'm not familiar with, um, and I'm going to kill this person. And the scene goes like this. The father tells his child, um, you are my son. You are my child. You're from, um, he names the village that he's from. He says, uh, you are not a bad boy. You are a good boy. And you love to go to school. You love to play these sports. You love this type of food. And the child, you can tell, he 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 slowly remembers who he is. And in the end, he puts his gun down because his father told him, reminded him, this is who you are. You are not a child soldier. Um, you are not, you are not who these people say you are. And for us, for those of us who are believers, there's so many things telling us you are not a good person. You are not, um, you're not holy. What you are is you're a sinner and just stay in your sins. And the gospel reminds us constantly, you're already holy. You're already loved by God. So act in accordance with who you are. This is your true identity. So this is the connection between definitive sanctification and progressive sanctification. So um, it's already been done for us. So progressive sanctification is a do part. So... Every other religion will say, um, do, and this will lead to done. Meaning, if you do the good works, if you do, if you obey God, um, then the work in you will be complete. But the, Christianity says, no, it's the other way around. Because it's been done already, then you can do. So, any questions, comments at this point? Alright, progressive sanctification. Turn, turn the page. Sanctification is synergistic. So, a few weeks ago, we talked about what regeneration is, and we talked about, do you guys remember this word, monergism? Monergism, um, the root word is this, berg, which means work. So, um, we we get the word energy from this root word, berg, um, and mono is one, right? One. So there's one person doing the work in us, and in regeneration and justification. In actually, if you look at uh, the first page, here, all of these things right here: effectual calling, regeneration, um, faith and repentance. Uh, faith is given to us. Repentance is a gift God gives to us. Justification. Um, these are all things that is monergistic, meaning that God is the one that does all of it. We play. Uh, no part in bringing, making ourselves acceptable to God. Okay? But what is sanctification? Sanctification is synergy, synergism, or synergistic. It means, we still have this word right here, work. Synergy, um, it, means, it means two people working side by side. So there's um, 
I'll, I'll just say two to make it easier to understand. There's two people working in this work of sanctification, meaning that God does the work and we do the work as well. So this is um, what we'll look at uh, the verses that point us to this. Um, Melissa, can I have you read Philippians 2, please? Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right. So this is, I love this verse right here, Philippians. He says, Paul's telling the Philippians, work out your salvation. And you go, wait a minute, I thought that you can't work for your salvation, right? What does Paul say? He doesn't say work for, right? He doesn't say work for your salvation. He says, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. It means that you, you what is true of you, you work that out. That should come out of you. Um, your identity should come out of the fact that you are uh, loved and you've been accepted by God. And it's, he says here in verse 12, For it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God is still doing the work, but we are working alongside God. This is where synergy comes in. This is synergistic sanctification is God working in us and giving us the power to do what he's calling us to do. So he's saying, yes, you are saved. And because you're saved, you don't work for salvation, but you work out your salvation, meaning what is true of you should come out of you. So if you, um, if you're in a relationship with someone, um, if you love that person, that person will, in time, they'll just like seep into your soul and they'll become a part of you. And the things you do, your values, your your decisions reflect that. And what Paul's saying here is, your actions should reflect the work that has gone on in your hearts already. Okay? First um, Thessalonians 5. Okay, can I have you read this? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. All right, so Paul's telling the Thessalonians, God will sanctify you completely. It's God that's doing the work, but we're still responsible for doing stuff. Um, so um, our, he talks about our whole being, our, our spirit, our soul, our body, being kept blameless. Um, we have a part in this. We are called to be disciplined, to, to obey God, but it's God that does the work in us. Tommy, can you have you read Ephesians 3, please? Now to him, <coughs> to him who is able to do for more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. All right, so who's at work in us? It's the power of God. More specifically, it's the Holy Spirit working in us. And Paul is very clear to say it's God that's doing all the work. But then it's God that's doing the work in us. All right? Uh, let's go back. Uh, Dom, can, you, can I have you read Ephesians 2.10 Yes um, For we are his workmanship created <coughs> in Christ Jesus for good work which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Alright so we're not saved by what we do but we are saved for good works and Ephesians 10 it says here actually um, if you look at the original language Paul says that um, when he says um, it's uh, we're created in or we're, we are his workmanship the the word that Paul uses is actually this word poema, which is poem. And uh, so we are God's poems to the world. There's When the world looks at us, they should see 
beauty, but they should also see the person behind it. And if you've ever like watched a really amazing film, or if you've ever listened to amazing pieces of music, or um, read some, an amazing book, you kind of go, "Wow, this is beautiful." It's I, I whatever it is that that uh, that I'm listening to or watching, it just <clears throat> does something to me. Like it, it just makes me want to worship something. There's um. One of my favorite bands is Thrice, and I was just thinking about this today. They're they're a rock band, but um, uh, one of the, they have a couple songs where it's they have this like really dark brooding sound, and then halfway through the song they change from a minor key to this like very like uh, anthemic um, major key type of it ex- just explodes in beauty, and I I, uh, I always think like the like th- like three minutes and twenty seven seconds into this song. When I hear this shift from from the minor key to the major key, that makes me believe in God because who can create such beauty? Yes, it's my favorite band, Thrice, but who gave them the ability to create such beauty? God did. So when people look at us, they should see something that says, there's something different about that person. There's something about the way they live, about the way they value things, about the way they love. What is it about them? And when they see us, they should see a poem and they'll go, who wrote that poem? There's got to be something beyond that. When they look at us, they should people should say, um, what is it about that person? They don't do the things that we do. Why don't they do the things we do? All right. Um, questions, comments? Okay. The means of sanctification. So uh, there are two kind of <laughs> words that we don't use much, but then there's mortification and there's vivification. So... Let's talk about mortification. So, um, when someone says they're mortified, what do they mean? They're scared to death. They're scared to death. Um, so let me, let's take that word death. Death. Uh, or like mortuary. Like the word mortuary comes from this word. Uh, the root word is mort. I'm not sure what mort is, uh, but um, it's it's there's it carries with it this sense of death. Okay, so God is saying you need to kill things in your life. The, the other word, vivification. Um, re, do you guys know what revive means? To bring to life. To bring to life, right? So when someone is uh, in the hospital and they're dead, they pull out that thing and they go, boom, um, that electric shock thing, and it, it brings them back to life. This word, vive, vive, viva, mi vida loca, mi, mi viva. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's this word for life, so... We in our life as we are going through this process of sanctification, we are putting to death something, but we're also bringing something to life. All right, so we'll talk about these things just for the sake of time. I'm not going to, we're not going to read all the uh, all the verses, but can I have uh, Chewy? Can I have you read um, Romans eight thirteen, please? Or if you for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right. We put to death the deeds of the body. In Colossians 3, 5 up top, it says, Put to death what is earthly in you. So there's this, violent, there's this sense of violence in the Christian life. So all of us have um, certain sins. It may be anger or bitterness or lust or um, greed or... Whatever it is, all of us have certain sins that have a stronger hold on our lives than others. And what Paul is saying is, 
he recognizes that there are things that we love, and he says, you can't love those things anymore. You have to put them to death. You have to kill them. So you cut off the oxygen supply for these things, and that means um, maybe staying away from certain things. It may mean, uh, he, he gives some examples here, sexual immorality. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you're prone to maybe pornography, you might want to say, um, I'm going to put software on my computer um, that 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 uh, keeps me accountable to other people, or if um, or impurity or passion, covetousness. Uh, let's say impurity. I don't know what type of impurity specifically he's referring to, but if there are things that we just know we shouldn't be around, Paul says, stay away from those things. Um, put to death. If you have these desires, sometimes the best thing you can do is not, don't feed them, don't encourage these sins, but you cut them off, you kill them. Okay? Um, questions on mortification? Um, I'll give you some, uh, I'll give you a book recommendation later that can help us with this. But um, it's just, I, we can talk, we can say so much about how to kill sin in our life, and maybe that's meant for another um, Bible study or. Sunday school lesson, but she how do you how, how do you kill other things? Kind of like like pride or greed. Like how would you kill those? Um, pri- well, uh, pride. Like you, I can give you specific examples, but I think at the root of it is um, we need to figure out okay, what are these sins that are I'm prone to? And for a lot of us, we're blind to them, right? Like there's just things that because we're so used to them, we don't even know that they're sins, or we don't even know that we're doing it. So first is we need to find out what are those things that I am prone to. Um, and then, uh, how do I, and then we look for the things that encourage them. So for example, if it's pride, um, I'm around, I'm around people that I just feel superior or, or perhaps I feel like, um, the world revolves around me. And then you, you find things that remind you, like, I'm not better than these people. I am not any better. So like, um, like if you ever like have like gone to, uh, just if you've ever like noticed seen something amazing like i don't know like uh if you've ever looked at the stars and you've considered like just how huge these stars are you feel really small and i think that there's something life-giving about feeling really small you you um you go wow there's so much more to the world and to the universe than me um and i think it puts us into proper perspective and it also reminds us we're not all that um i can give a lot more examples just for the sake of time i'm not going to but uh or for greed, um, uh, the best antidote to greed is generosity. So even though you don't want to give this money to the charity, you're going to say, it's going to hurt me to give this money, but I'm going to give it anyways. And as we release this from our, as we release um, money from ourselves, I think we're released from greed as well. So um, there's there's a lot of things. Uh, there's a book <coughs> called... Um, Oh, I forgot the name of it. Oh, there, there's a. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the on the books that that, are, that I've read about killing sin. But then there are some resources I can maybe put them on the Facebook page on the IGC Family site later. Um, so sorry, I didn't really answer your question, but it's basically re- recognize who you are or what you're prone to, and then cutting off the oxygen supply to these things that encourage sin in us. Um, so. I think just to add to that, a community, you know, share, I, I think you're already starting it by sharing it and then ask, asking, proactively asking people to check in on you about that or to even give you feedback. That's scary, but I do that once in a while where I ask my best friends whom I really trust, like, hey, how am I doing in this area, you know, or how am I doing in that area, and have them call me out on my pride um, and pray for me. So 
bring in community. Yeah. I um like uh, <clears throat> I have a accountability software on my on my laptop. Um, it's basically uh, I've 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 gotten and what I, it's called a uh, Covenant Eyes, and then it basically tracks every single site I visit, and then it sends a report to a friend of mine, and then um, and then it's basically <laughs> so you don't look at porn, or if you do look at porn, um, <coughs> someone will call you out on it. This is what, uh, referring to what Christine was talking about, where. I mean, for for guys in general, we we are we. There are certain things that may tempt us, or um, we don't want to. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't struggle with that. <laughs> Thanks for being honest, Eric. Um, and we just we, we need community. Like the Christian life is meant to be lived amongst other people. Right? I love what Christine said, and um, we have to be honest with our sins. We have to be honest with our struggles, and we have to say. Uh, I'm willing to um, risk embarrassment maybe, or maybe I don't want people to know how greedy I am or how prideful I am, um, but I need to tell someone these things so they can keep me in check. So um, these are called the means of grace. Uh, means of grace. Um, there's, the, there's reading the Bible. There is going to church. There is living amongst Christian community. There is praying. And these are the ways that God uses to sanctify us to make us holy okay vivification is just these uh flip side of that i'm sorry we can go back to questions if we have more time later vivification is um is the positive side of of sanctification so mortification is the negative side you want to kill something you want to put something to death Uh, vivification is bringing something to life so chow can i have you read uh colossians 3 please then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. All right, thanks. So there's, uh, whereas Paul is saying um, when you mortify some, something, uh, a sin, you're taking something off of yourself and you're just beating it to the ground. And you say, sin, uh, I hate you. Um, I'm going to do something to kill you. Um, vivification is putting something on us. And what are the things that are markers of a Christian? Um, you set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are of earth. And we, we look for things that encourage our godliness. So it might mean that we pray more, we read the Bible more. And it, it sounds so trite. We go, how do you overcome sin? How do you, um, how do you become holy? And it just sounds so trite and easy, but then... The means of graces are we we go to church we um, we communi- we live in community with brothers and sisters who encourage us in our faith <coughs> we read the Bible that gives us life we pray and we open ourselves up to God and we say God um, do something in me um, this is vivification is taking the it's a positive side of sanctification questions or comments okay let me um oh I kept it short so we'd have time for que- for uh, um, questions. Okay, Second Peter two. I'm gonna read this and um, and then uh, we'll take some questions and I'll point out some resources for you guys. Okay, from Second Peter two. Um, did I? Oh my goodness! I completely missed this other part right here. Okay, I'm sorry. We may not have time for everything we want to do. Um, the distortions of sanctification. Um, there's. So what? What? How are some? What are some ways people think about sanctification versus um, legalism? Uh, for let me just read it real quick. Um, legalism is putting rules into place that aren't in the Bible. So, for example, some people will say, 
um, don't drink because it's a sin. The Bible doesn't say anywhere that drinking is a sin. It says being drunk is a sin, um, but drinking is not necessarily a sin. And people will say, if you drink, you're disobeying God. This is wrong. Um, and people will say, like, oh, well, you shouldn't watch um, certain movies or you shouldn't um, do certain things that the Bible doesn't say. This is legalism. It's saying, okay, if I follow these rules, I'll be sanctified. I'll be holy. Um, Paul says here, Galatians, people are telling you to do these things so you'll be accepted by God. And he's saying, um, time and time again, all religions will say you should do this, do this, do this, and you'll be accepted by God. But Paul says, no, what, what can you do? He says, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Who saved us? It's God. Who did the work in us? It's God through the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying, you've been living by the power of the Spirit up to now. And do you think now you, you drop it? Do you think you're, you're good enough now that you can keep the rules? Paul says, no, you live by the power of the spirits. Are you not being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies a spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Um, legalism is one distortion of sanctification where we say, okay, if I'm going to be holy, if I'm going to be sanctified, I'm going to stay away from these types of people. I'm going to stay away from these types of entertainments. I'm going to not do certain things. And if I can keep this list of rules, that means I'm sanctified. Um, what that does usually is it either defeats us and it tells us well if, if i'm not able to do that i'll go i stink i suck as a christian i'm not going to try anymore or if we're able to keep them up we will go i did pretty good i think i'm like all right here and it feeds in us this sense of pride um so there's legalism there's also antinomianism which is anti-nomo is uh um the word for law and anti means anti. Anti it means it means uh, against the law. Antinomianism will, will say, well, I don't want, want to be legalistic. I can just um, really the the whole scripture boils down to I should love God and love people, and that becomes my how I should uh, live, um, which is not wrong. But then when we think, okay. I don't need to keep the rules anymore. I don't need to, I can avoid all the other or ignore all the other rules in the Bible. That is going against the law of God. Um, we are people of the book that Christians were called. Um, at one point, God fought, people who followed God were called people of the book because they were so strict by how they lived. And we think we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be legalists. So we're just going to, um, we're going to be, we're going to live by grace. And, um, you know, so that means that we can kind of do anything and God will forgive us. And that is a distortion of sanctification. Romans 6, 1, Paul addresses this. For those of us that have experienced grace, what do we do? Paul says, we say, we can sin now, right? And Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Um, how can we who die to sin still live in it? So we have to live by God's commands in the Bible. First um, John, he says, no one abides in him. Keeps no one who who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So if we have this attitude that we don't need to obey God, Paul, John is saying here, if that's your attitude, you don't really know God. You haven't really been affected by the grace of God. Questions? We're here. Last point. 
Okay, all right, final point. So, what do we do? Are we, as Christians, expected to live perfect lives? Um, what if there's a certain sin in us that we can't seem to get over? Paul knows this about everyone. He says that for all of us, we're going to continue to struggle in sin. And he says, "What for For I delight in the law of God. This is us. Um, in, in Psalm 119, it talks about this person who loves the law of God. And this should be all of us. We shouldn't be averse to God's commands. We should love the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me a captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So the struggle is there has been something in my life that's been that's been holding me for so long and I can't seem to shake it and I'm so discouraged and I, I've made so many commitments to God I've made so many promises I've done so much to try to kill this sin in my life if I failed it means that I, I, I'm doomed to failure I just can't do it and what does Paul say? he says yes, this is a struggle for all of us but as God works in our life as the Holy Spirit is at work in us he says, in time, you'll be able to um, maybe not conquer it, but then you can fight against it. And um, Paul says here at the end of sanctification, um, he says, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another, from one degree of glory to another. So as we become Christians, um, we have this sense that we should be a certain way. Um, and we have a sense of who Jesus is. And the scriptures say, as we know God more, we're going to be changed little by little by little. And it's kind of like a, just, um, uh, there, there was a viral video, and I'll end with this uh, in just a couple minutes. There was a video that, that went out a few, uh, a few weeks ago. I think it's, it was on, uh, it might have been on Gawker or something, or, um, or like, I, I forget which one. But then uh, a, a photographer, he photographed these family members at a family reunion, like the youngest was maybe 18 months old or something, and the oldest was, I think she was 80 years old. And um, through some like computer magic and some software, he was able to take a picture of all these people and and, and make a movie of it. And then it just very slowly, it looks like you're just looking at a portrait when you look at the picture or when you watch the video. But you see the time progressing, and this baby slowly, slowly, slowly becomes... Uh, becomes a, a, a teenager and then slowly someone in her 20s and then slowly someone in her 30s and 40s and 50s and at the end of the four minute video um, this person is so has become a completely different person has become uh, an old person and this is how it is in the Christian life is there are times when we go I'm so discouraged by my life because it seems like I'm not growing at all but the Bible says as we as we live in the presence of God, we're slowly changed. Here Paul says, um, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. The, the goal of sanctification is to make us more like Christ. And we're slowly, slowly, slowly becoming more like Christ. So I think that's a huge encouragement to all of us because all of us will fall into times when we are so discouraged. All of us will fall into certain times in our life when we go... I just can't do it, and I want to give up. And the promise of sanctification is 
um, I don't have this verse here, but in Philippians one it says, "For I'm convinced that um, that the, the the work of God, the the work that God started in you, God will complete." This is a promise for all of us. Um, so this is uh, sanctification. It's us becoming more like Christ. And I have I have uh, an encouragement for us here in Second Peter two. It says, um, and I have bolded. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. So, believers, remember who we are. Remember that we've been justified. This is the basis for our sanctification. We've been bought by God. Um, and he says, you're no longer sins. You're no longer slaves. You're no longer um, evil. You're no longer wicked. Uh, in Second Corinthians, it says that those who are in Christ are completely new creatures. So we have new appetites. We have new desires. It's not only... Um, keeping the rules that that makes us Christians. It's it's that we have completely new desires and appetites. And um, any questions or comments? I'll take one question. Okay, we can talk later. Um, here's a really accessible book on sanctification. It's by a guy named Jerry Bridges, and it's uh, the discipline of grace, God's role and our role in the pursuit of holiness. So. IGC needs to be holy. We need to be set apart. We need to live lives that are different. We need to have lives of discipline. Um, but it's not us merely doing these things so we'll be good people. But it's because God has called us to it. And he says, not only that, but then um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be alongside you as you uh, do this work of sanctification. So it's by Jerry Bridges, The Discipline of Grace. If anyone wants to borrow it, you can borrow it. Or it's like 10 bucks on Amazon. Okay? <laughs> Let me... Uh, Close in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your work of sanctification in us, and I pray that you would give us the desire to be holy and to be set apart for you. And um, God, give us the Holy Spirit because we cannot do this on our own. It's only through your Holy Spirit that we can do this, God. So do that. Be with us as we worship with our brothers and sisters in the next room. And um, yeah, we, we give you praise for all that you are and all that you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.